Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. So on Friday, Pastor Larry preached his favorite message, apparently, we found out, on dying. And you know what? It's kind of funny to think about, but in reality, in order to have a resurrection, you have to have a death. So it's such an important thing. Um, so yeah, Friday, Good Friday, we um, had a little special service where we talked hey, about... Hey, hold up, hold yeah. up. I think some people are still dead in this room. Oh, no. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think you should, Time for a resurrection. I don't think you should be yelling like you are Okay, right you know what? I'll talk a little quiet. I'll use my inside voice. Okay, thank you. Okay. <laughs> Or we might just need a resurrection. Yes, that's true. Let's wake him up. I agree. Yeah, so, um, yeah, if you're here Friday, Pastor Larry gave a a message on on dying. It was was fantastic. And it leads us right into Resurrection Sunday. Um, The two go hand in hand. So we just wanted to honor and welcome Pastors RJ and Mary to the stage. They're going to be bringing a message on the arising part of Easter. Good morning, good Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Happy Resurrection Day. Happy Easter. We're so glad all of you are here with us. All your smiling faces. It's so true. We would not... Our faith is, uh, as Christians, is all about today. He's alive. He lives. He reigns. Amen? But before we get into too much of a message, this morning when I woke up, I actually found two Easter bunnies in my backyard. (laughs) And they were laying little chocolate eggs. So I told the kids this morning I was going to send them out for an Easter egg hunt. They weren't too impressed with that. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know, I don't know about you guys. I have these motion lights in my backyard, and the rabbit's like doing a disco thing because all night the lights turn on, the lights turn off, the lights turn on. I'm like, what's in my backyard? It's rabbits. <laughs> anyway, Yeesh. back to the resurrection. So we have, today, we're going to be concluding our series on essential habits, and I'm super happy my wife's up here with me. Uh, We went through habits of praying and and forgiving and serving within and without the church community, Uh, generosity, we talked about awakening, we talked about dying, Um, and, you know, the one that I kind of left out was really the motivation for all of those essential habits, which is love. And when the essential habits that we've talked about are operating in your life, all of them, you come to this place of overflow. And it's in that place of overflow that we, God's people here on earth, arise. And we step into the place that God has called us to. And too many people try to arise without love. Okay, This creates revolution, but we don't need a revolution. And some of you are like, wait a minute, yes we do. No, you don't. Okay. Revolution has to do with changing a political power. So you put one government in to replace the government that is. But what I want you to understand is um, it doesn't matter which politicians or what color shirt they wear or what side of the aisle that they put when you put them into office. If you don't have a reformation in the hearts and minds of mankind first, nothing changes. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what we need is a reformation where Jesus is the only hope for Canada. And when he reigns in the hearts of men and women, then things start to transform. That's right. Okay, Mm -hmm. and when you arise motivated by love, when your heart is submitted to God's plan for your life, it'll change the world. Okay, and we as Christians have to do our part to step into the place that God has called us to. And, And the thing is, you know, It's your prayer life that reaches that place of overflow where you arise. It's your generosity that reaches a place of overflow where you arise. It's serving in the community. It's serving people that reaches a place of overflow that you arise. That's when you're moved with compassion to go and pray for people who are sick that need healing. It's in the place of overflow. Because if you're just hanging on, barely getting there, and you can barely wake up in the, like, you know, if you can barely survive in your faith, how are you ever going to take a message of hope to others? I'm just asking. Because see, Jesus came 
to empower us to go do the work of the ministry. He came to empower us to take his message to others. But I mean, so many people, they, they, they don't feel like they're arising. In fact, they want to go take a nap. You're tired. You've been weary. You've been slogging along. But it's, we have to practice the basic things of Christianity and then it comes to a place where our heart starts overflowing. And that's when we start stepping into our place as, as, a, as a church world in the culture as Christians. And we change the world. And we change the world for his glory. I, I'm good now. Glory. My wife's going to talk. <laughs> so we're talking about arising and arising in and through the love of Christ. But so I wanna, we wanna bring some scripture. There's a lot of scripture. Hopefully we can cover all the scripture. But Jesus summarized all of the law. I think, I think you'll know this. I know I'm putting you on the spot of it, but how many like laws were there? 612 or 13? Yeah, there was a lot. Something like that. There was yeah. a lot. Okay. 13. So Jesus summarized all the law, the whole of the law into two commands, the great commandment. I'm going to read Mark 12, 29 to 31. Jesus is replying to the question that the religious leaders asked him about which commandment is the most important. Out of the 600 and blah, blah, blah. 13. 13. That's what they were referring to. But Jesus is saying to them, the most important commandment is this. Listen O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is equally important. Everybody say equally important. Equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is as great as these I want to refer back to our key scripture verse that was read earlier in service in 1 John. And I want to talk about, um, refer back to 16 to 18. And it says in these verses, it says, God is love. All who live in love live in God. God lives in them. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid of the day of judgment. I'm going to go down to verse 18. And it says, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. So God is saying he is love. And he is telling us that our love has to be perfect. The only place in the Bible where God demands and commands us to be perfect is in our love and that we have to grow deeper and higher and stronger in our love. In fact, uh, Jesus says in this chapter, so we're talking about what kind of love, okay? So we're not talking about the kind that the world gives. In fact, Jesus in Matthew 5, in that chapter, Verses 44 to 46, I'm just going to summarize it a bit. Jesus asks us to be perfect in the context of love or loving. But loving our enemies, loving those who persecute us, loving when it's really hard to love. And he makes a comparison. And he says, there is a kind of love that even the tax collectors give. Even the corrupt tax collectors can give. There is no reward in that. Even they can love. It's really easy to love and be kind and gracious to everyone who keeps loving and giving you love back. But Jesus says, the reward in my kind of love, my perfect love, is when you love the people who are hard to love. When it means you have to practice the essential habits of Christianity. And practice those things when they're really hard. And they're growing character in you. In fact, it says that our love in our key scripture is supposed to grow even more perfect in him. 
Do you want to read the love story? Yeah, I do. I want to try something, though. Let's see if this works. Oh, dear. What do we do? Yeah, doing? my wife loves This is, we're going off script here. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's very familiar to many of you. Oh, no. <laughs> if I could speak all the languages of earth. Did you have a hard time hearing me while I was smashing on that? Yes, no, maybe. Did it drown out my voice? See, the point is, it doesn't matter how much you know. (laughs) If you're not operating in love, that's about what it sounds like when you interact with people. If I had the gift of prophecy, and I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, spooky. If I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And then he explains what love is. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way, 2023. Love does not demand its own way. We live in a world where everybody wants their own way and they want it now. It's not irritable. No one in here is ever irritable though, right? It keeps no record of being wronged. Some of you are like, that was you this morning. Not her. (laughs) Not you. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful, and it endures through every circumstance. Highly misquoted verse here. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Some of us do. And sometimes we do. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. Thank you. Anyone else? (laughs) Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Go ahead. Love isn't love. So, we, Pastor Argy just read what love is. The kind of love that represents who God is. Because God refers to himself about who he is. He is love. God also says he is truth. He is mercy. He is grace. He is justice. He is hope. He is all of these things. But the kind of love, which is so amazing that God gives us, that is perfect, is a choice. Because true love isn't love without the choice. That's what makes it really hard to love others when they're not lovable. Have anybody ever heard the phrase, love is an action word? It's a verb, love is a verb. You have to choose to love. And you don't, like, you have to make that choice really intentionally and purposefully, especially when people are really hard to love and they're unlovable. You have to make the choice to love with your enemies, with people who speak bad about you, with people who persecute you. We have to make a choice to walk in God's perfect love. So I want to talk about, so love and truth, they don't exist interdependently, like they don't exist independent of each other. They exist together. They exist in God. That is who God is, love and truth. Except for them to be perfect the way God is perfect, you need the truth of God's love to be present when you're telling somebody about the love because you need the truth to harden the love, to make it stronger. Because if you have Love without the truth, that love, like the corrupt tax collector, is simply empty flattery and praise. It's a lie. It's not the love of God with the truth of God in it. 
In fact, they are iron sharpening iron together, just as justice and mercy are together and exist in God. They temper each other and they bring balance in love, which makes love perfect. In John 13, 34 to 35, this is what is amazing. And he says it over and over again in John. It says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other for your love one for another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So how are we supposed to love each other? The way Jesus loved us. And how did he love us? He loved us perfectly. There was no flaw in how he loved us. He loved us perfectly. Um, Jesus is the true vine. In John, again, next couple chapters, John 15, 5 to 17, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. See, this perfect love that Jesus is talking about, the love that we're supposed to be growing more perfect in, in him, is impossible to accomplish and to carry out without him, without his grace, without his enablement, without him being part of everything that you're doing. In fact, he says so. He says, just further down, um, in verse 9, I have loved you, even as the Father has loved me, remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed the Father's commandments and remain in his love, I have told you these things so that you may, fill, may be filled with joy. In verse 12, it says, again, he repeats it over and over again. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater commandment than to lay down one's life for one's friend. In verse 17, he ends that by saying, again, this is my command. Love each other. Which leads us to the great commission going into all the world. She talked about the great commandment just a moment ago. My wife talked about the great commandment, loving God, loving people. Then it leads us to the great commission where we go into all the world. If you read Matthew chapter 28, you'll see that it starts with Mary Mary, the two Marys visiting the tomb. There's an earthquake. There's a resurrection. They're frightened. They're filled with joy. It's a new emotion. We're going to call it joytened, something like that. Joytened. Yeah, that. Yes. Joytend. But see, Jesus is alive. They're excited. They're frightened at the same time, you know. And, and what happens is the chapter, if you continue reading, it ends with Jesus stating that he has all authority and we're to go and make disciples of all nations. And, and Jesus, when he was here in his earthly ministry, he did this. Like, the Samaritans and the Jews, they didn't like each other very much. How many of you know that they didn't like each other very much? Okay. And, and um, you know, the Jews viewed the Samaritans as half-breeds, and, and they weren't pure Jewish stock, and they looked down on them, and they scorned them. And that's why there's a whole parable about the Good Samaritan. Uh, but who is my neighbor? But see, Jesus went to the woman at the well that you saw Des and Kim talk about and he was moved with empathy and compassion. And it wasn't like it was normal for a Jewish man to go speak to a Samaritan woman, especially in the middle of the day, especially at the well, um, which, you know, that was a big deal for them. But Jesus had an assignment on his life to go and bring the message of hope within him to that woman. And, and he gave her living water. And that living water made her come to a place where she could be alive before God. And, and churches today, you know, when we look at the Great Commission, there's, there's probably three branches of, of churches, you know. And some of them, they focus on winning the lost. And evangelism is really what they focus on and emphasize. And they're all about winning the lost and bringing people in and getting them saved. 
And, and you know, we, we call those a lot of times the seeker churches because after they get saved, there's no process of disciples. They don't form the character of Christ. They don't make them into disciples. Then there's other churches, which I think is probably the bulk of churches in Christendom. And they put the emphasis on the discipleship, but not on winning the lost, because it's not their job to go win the lost, it's the missionary's job to go win the lost, or the, evangelism's jo- the evangelist's job to go win the lost. So they don't bring many people in, but the people that do come in, boy, do they make them into disciples. <laughs> and most of the ones that come in don't stay, because they get a lot of theology of following Christ. And then there is a small percentage of churches, and we really try to do it. We want to put evangelism and discipleship together in the same conversation. Because the truth is, if evangelism does not end in discipleship, it is not biblical evangelism. The two go hand in hand. And Jesus said, go and make disciples. Number one, you take the message of hope to others. Number two, we have an obligation to make them into followers of Christ by teaching them the character of Christ, by teaching them line upon line and precept of precept, we explain to people, this is how you live as a Christian. And I mean, how many of you need someone in your life to come alongside you when you're so, and say, hey, let me show you a more excellent way according to the scriptures? Mm-hmm. Every one of you should be going, yeah, 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 me. We all need that. And what happens is, it's not just coming in and getting saved, it's we want to go that second part and we want to form the character of Christ in people. I'll come back to that. Okay. You go. Want me to go. Romans 12. Okay. I'm going to touch on just something that you just said very quickly. So we were just talking about how God's perfect love expels, casts out all fear and sets you free. And I don't have time to go into everything that that sets you free from. Let's just say it sets you free from everything. Okay. It casts out all fear, every kind of fear, God's perfect love. So I want to go back to that awesome spoken word, the woman at the well. And how many, the truth is, like the truth is, if you, if we, as a body of Christ, us as individuals really have come in contact, in encounter like she did with the revelation, with the experience, with the in-knowing feeling. I have just encountered the love of God. I have just experienced the love of God. How many of you have ran through your town shouting and jumping and leaping for joy and saying, come, do you know Jesus? Come and see My Jesus, this Jesus that set me free from everything, from all fear, from all anxiety, not caring what anybody thought. When was the last time that the love of God set you free from all of that, that you were ready to go and rise up and say, do you know my Jesus? Because if you don't, I need to tell you about my Jesus. And she went and, and she had encountered Jesus experienced that love. And she said, I need you to know. I need you to know this Jesus. I need you to know the love of God that I have just encountered, that I have just experienced in my life. It set me free from all fear. All of it. No oppression. Nothing. I'm free. I'm free. I'm ready to rise up. Church, God is waiting for a people ready to rise up, a people ready and not put off by opposition, opposition, challenge, or resistance. A church of God ready to rise up and resist the enemy and tell him to flee. He has to get behind you. A church of God ready to rise up because he said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. Amen. I'll do it. Romans 12. You're, okay, I'm take but I still part. need to finish no. something. Let, let me do it, and if I, <laughs> okay. if I miss it, then you, can, then you can put it in. All right, okay. okay. In Romans 12, 21, don't let evil, con- evil conquer you, <laughs> but conquer evil by doing good. See, I need to learn all the languages, even yes. English. What is good? <laughs> what or who defines goodness, right? Uh, 
Do you allow the world system to determine for you what is good, or do you look to the standard and the word of God to determine for you what is good? And who is good? And who? Wickedness. It's all over in the earth, and we know that now we live in a day when good is called evil and evil is called good. You know? There was a day when I saw someone walking down the street, I'd pull over and say, hey, do you need a lift? I can't do that anymore. I mean, I can occasionally, but you have to be really careful when you do that because it's a, it's a weird world. There's confusion, there's lies all over the earth, okay? People are getting attacked in their identity on who they are and whose they are. If you don't go to God for answers, you go to Google for answers or Siri who was trying to talk to us in the first service, right? Um, yes. You know, you get filled with deception because truth is something that is either in the word of God and God gives us truth and sets up truth or it doesn't. And, you know, at the end of the service, we close with something to the effect of WCF, you've been equipped, now go. And when you say, be the church. church. But what does that mean? That means that picking up with what I was sharing about the Great Commission, that it's not just the missionary's job to take the message, it's your job. And my job to walk outside the four walls of this building where we gather together and start being the church and sharing the love of God with others. We serve humanity. We lay hands on the sick. We preach to those who are poor. We release those who are oppressed. Why? Because we have the nature of God within us and the spirit of God in us wants to set people free. And when you're obedient to what the spirit of God says, guess what? People find freedom. Amen. I don't save anyone. I don't free Jesus can operate in and through me to bring people to a place of freedom. Amen. Okay? And, and from there, go to uh, Matthew 10. I will. I did okay. I covered most of your stuff. Thank you. I got you. Um, okay. I want to go, go back first to talking about, okay, so Pastor RJ said, when you're, the world is going to call evil good, and good evil. So when we read um, Romans 12, 21, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. You know when you're doing that good, the good of God, the world is saying you're doing evil, right? That, that's what's happening. So I'm going to read Matthew 10 because when you go about doing good, what God says is good, the world's thinking that you're doing evil. So when you're going to be going around doing this good, don't think it's going to be good. Some things are going to happen. And Jesus says some things are going to happen. Matthew 10, 16 to 31. I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes and as harmless as doves. So I want to just stop there and talk about, I went to, up to look up the word shrewd because I thought, yeah, what is this word like? You know, I want to zero in on it. And I think it's really cool what Jesus is telling us to be. Um, The word shrewd means astute, sharp, discerning, piercing, perceptive, quick-witted, savvy, and streetwise. This is who Jesus is calling us to be. And on the other side of that, he's saying, but be harmless as doves. So you need to be all of those things, and you need to walk out your love walk and be perfect as he is perfect. But beware, for you will be handed over to the courts and will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this is your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. Remember, a body of believers who are not put off by opposition. When you're arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say, because God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking. It is the spirit of the father speaking through you. A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child, and children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. All nations will hate you because you are my followers. But everyone who endures till the end will be saved. I tell you the truth, when you are persecuted in one town, flee to the next. So that means go and tell the next town. Verse 24, 
Students are not greater than their teacher. Slaves are not greater than their master. Students are to be like their teacher and slaves are to be like their master. Since I, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons, the members of my household will be called by even worse names. But don't be afraid. A church and a body of Christ walking in God's perfect love expels all fear. So don't be afraid of those who threaten you. For the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed and all that is secret will be made known to all. What I tell you in the darkness, shout abroad when daybreak comes. What I whisper in your ear from the housetops for all to hear. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. And I make his life easier. Yes, you don't have much hair. I know. Revelation 12, 11 says, and they overcame and conquered him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony for they did not love their life or renounce their faith. You know what they did not love their life? That is a church not being afraid. First Timothy 6, 1 to 12 in the Amplified just 12. Oh, yes, just 12. You're right. Fight the good fight of faith in the conflict with evil. How many of you know that we're in conflict with evil? Forever until Jesus comes, we're in conflict with evil. So again, we are supposed to be a body of Christ, a family of God, a church of God, who is ready to rise up and not be put off by opposition, not be afraid when we have to sacrifice, when we have a challenge, to not be afraid when it becomes difficult, but a church that's ready to rise up and walk out with that conviction and an urgency so strong that we're willing and we're ready to go out and share the gospel. A church that's ready with their hands and their feet to go and do good works, even though the world might say that those are not good works. In Haggai um, chapter 2, verses 2 to 9, it says, Say this to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of God's house, God's people there in the land, we are the remnant. Does anyone remember this house in its former temple, in its formal splendor? So I want to stop right there and I want to ask us to ask ourselves right now, what is the current state of the church and the body of Christ here in North America? What is it? Are we rising up? Are we the ones influencing and taking over and sharing and going out? Are we actually free from fear and walking in God's perfect love? How in comparison does that temple look now? It seems like nothing at all. But now, says the Lord, be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Jeshua, son of Jehozadak. Be strong, all you people still left in the land, God's remnant. And God says to them, now get to work. For I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. My spirit remains among you, just as I promised when I brought you out of Egypt. So 
do not be afraid. For this is what the Lord of heaven's army said. In just a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations and all the treasures of the nations will be brought to this temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord God of heaven's armies. The silver and the gold is mine, says the Lord God of heaven's armies. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory. Do you know what that temple is and who that temple is? That's us. The Lord God of heaven's armies, the spirit of the Lord, not by might, not by power, not by man's, by my spirit, says the Lord. The Lord God of heaven's armies is saying, get ready, get to work. Hands and feet, are you ready to go out and do good works? Are you ready to further and arise and advance the kingdom of God? Are you ready to go out and do that? Because the Lord of heaven's armies is saying, I will provide for my work. The silver and the gold belongs to me. All the money, all the resources, heaven and earth is mine, says the Lord. I don't need your money. It already is mine. It belongs to me. So God is bringing it into the house for us to steward, not for ourselves, not for our glory, but for the kingdom of God. Amen. To further his kingdom, because it's God's will that all men be gathered unto him, to know him and his perfect love. But that perfect love isn't going to, we have to grow in that. As Christians, as a body of believers, we need to arise in that conviction. I know I am loved by God. And if I'm loved by God, that love that I am experiencing, that I am growing deeper in every day, it should be expelling every fear, everything that we're afraid of, every oppression, every demon in hell, it should be expelling all of it and us being able to rise up and go forth in what God has called us to do. Amen? Amen. How many of you are perfect in your love walk? So the rest of you, can you stand with me, please? So as we're going into the Lord's Supper, communion, as some call it, you know, we aren't perfect. Jesus went to the cross for us for that reason because we do fall down. Has anyone ever fallen down? Has everyone missed the mark? You haven't been perfect in your love walk. You haven't done what God called you to do. You weren't obedient. But we got to learn to get up again. And we need to arise. In Micah 7, 8, Amplified, it says, Do not rejoice over me amid my tragedies, O my enemy. Though I fall, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness of distress, the Lord is a light for me. And God wants to be a light for you. He wants his word to illuminate your path. He wants it to come alive in your heart, and he wants to change the way that you live. And, and as we go into this today with the arising you know, I understand that everybody's at a different level of maturity in their faith, and some are brand new. Some maybe aren't even in faith yet. You need to come down and pray with us after, and we'll, we'll help you to get to know Jesus a little bit. But what happens is, if you're walking through this life and you're trying to do the things God has told you to do, you're praying, you're serving, you have empathy for people, you lay hands on the sick people, like... There's generosity that comes forth in your life. You're awakening yourself. See, awakening has to do with the church coming to the place where they're not sleeping anymore. Okay? You can't have a move of God in the land with a sleeping church, can you? Because no. we are the instrument by which he accomplishes his purpose on earth. He didn't send angels to preach to people. He sends humans to preach to people. This is the missional aspect of what we do. And we've got to understand the Great Commission. You're the missionaries that go out into the world, and you're going to do that when you walk out these doors today. 
Now, how effective you are as a missionary is another conversation. But as we come to the table today, you know what? We have to release forgiveness towards others and receive forgiveness in our own lives from the Father. We repent of sin. And in the moments when you fall down, you have to look to Jesus and say, help me get back up. So, Father, as we come to the table today with the bread in our hands, thank you for the cross that you died for our healing, for our freedom. And you want to restore all things to wholeness, Lord, mind, body, and spirit. Jesus, you are obedient even to death. Help us to be obedient even to death as we purpose each day to lay our lives down for you, that we truly could rise up and take the mantle that you've placed upon us as individuals to take hope to those that are hurting and broken and desperate and in need. So, Father, today we receive encouragement and grace and life and hope because of the resurrection of Jesus. You made it all possible in Jesus' name. You know, as we receive the cup today, I just, you know, I'm the first person to say and admit there are lots of levels of victory that I am walking out with the Lord and fear in my life that we all, each of us, we have to overcome. Because Jesus, without him, but for the grace of God, we need him. I want to read to you this scripture. And this is just a mystery of the incredible power and perfection of the love of God in Luke 23, 39. It says, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God? Even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, we've just shared a message about arising and that you need to get off your butt and do something. <laughs> but here I read, a scripture about someone, a criminal who is guilty. He was guilty. He is guilty. That's us. That's you and me. We are guilty. And the relentless, fierce, incredible, I don't have the words, the mystery of God's perfection and love in the cross of Christ. Nothing, absolutely nothing that we can ever do for him will ever come close to measuring up to what Jesus did in the cross of Christ and his love and his sacrifice for us, nothing we could ever do. But because of that perfect love, we respond. If you have truly, truly, we truly have encountered and experienced the love of God, that we have allowed it to transform our lives. Why? Are we keeping such love to ourselves? Why are we not like the Samaritan woman running out wherever we can to say, do you know my Jesus? My Jesus, he set me free, he healed me. He freed me from, from it all. Do you know my Jesus? Have we really encountered and experienced such love that it compels us to go and do something? because we respond to that kind of love. You know that thief on the cross? He did not pay a single tithe or an offering. 
He didn't get baptized. He didn't tell anybody else about Jesus. He wasn't discipled. He didn't say a prayer. He was guilty. But in his very last breath on the cross, that thief cried out to Jesus. And Jesus on the cross was in perfect love, letting him know, today, you will be with me in paradise. All he had to do was believe. That's our Jesus. That's the God that we serve, who we say we love. Should we not be compelled to such action to say, do you know what real love is? The perfection of love in God. That it has compelled us to go and tell somebody, do you know my Jesus? Let me tell you about him. Do you know how awesome, awesome it is and so incredible and so beautiful that in that same way, in that, the last breath that that criminal took, that you, God, can give you the honor and the privilege to be by somebody's side as they're taking their very final breaths and you tell them about Jesus and you say to them, today, you're gonna be with Jesus in paradise. Do you know what an honor and a privilege that that is to be able to, that God is saying, I want you to go do that. I want you to share in that with me. I have given that to you, that you get to go and tell people about me, even if it's their final moments. I want them with me. We get to be with that person, the hands and feet of Jesus, to bring comfort, to bring hope, and they're not alone. And we get to let them know today, you're gonna be with Jesus in paradise. Amen. Amen. Father, oh Lord, I need this for myself. I want to be released of all fear so I can just be overwhelmed and undone by your love. Let this be for WCF, for our church family, for the body of Christ all over the world. That we are undone by your love, Lord. That we are simply wrecked because of it. And it expels all fear all of it and every work of darkness it it can't exist in the light of your perfect love and the, the cross of christ and your sacrifice and the blood of jesus oh god help your bride enable your bride to step out in courage and in faith to get to work to be compelled by such love. What love is this that our Lord God, our Jesus would die for us. Lord, help us to become the bride. The bride who will be presented to you because of your perfect love that we then are growing more in perfect love. That we will be a bride presented to you without spot, wrinkle, or blemish because we are walking in your perfect love. Lord, give us your grace and your humility to help us to choose to love when people are mean, when they're unlovable, when our enemies lie about us and persecute us, when we are being persecuted, that we will not be afraid Lord, you said it over and over again. Don't be afraid. Lord, give us a revelation. Give us an experience, an encounter with your love that is so empower, empowering and impactful and overwhelming in our lives that it leaves us completely changed and transformed in Jesus' name. My prayer is that you have a great Resurrection Sunday, wherever you go when you leave this place. If you do need prayer for whatever reason, our ministry teams will be here. 
Our young people have one more song for you, but as we go, Windsor Christian Fellowship, you have been equipped. Now go. Be the church. If you guys want to come to the front to worship, you're more than welcome. Gone to my sorrow and dead of my sin. Lost without hope with no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come in. When death was arrested, my life began. Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains. And my open heart has given a name. My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested, my life began. Oh, your grace, so. your end. 